If you have benefited from resources produced by G3 Ministries, would you consider donating to support us? Even a few dollars helps us to continue to publish free curricula, articles, podcasts, video resources, and more. Visit g3min.org give or open the G3 app to give a one-time or monthly donation. Articles from G3 Ministries Under Oath to Persevere by Chris King Read by the author A courtroom stands as one of the few places our society still treats with respect. They refer to the judge as your honor. Those involved in the trial dress very formally. The court hands down life-changing verdicts of guilty and not guilty. The court places witnesses under oath to ensure their truthfulness. The proceedings radiate an atmosphere of seriousness. Paul places Timothy under oath to exhort him to persevere in faithful service. The apostle calls solemn witnesses to hold Timothy accountable to his task. This is part of a series of blog posts aimed at encouraging pastors to persevere in their labor. The sense of gravity that accompanies being under oath should exhort us to continue in serving our judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. The gravity of these oaths should spur us on to faithful endurance. The purpose of an oath. Oaths heighten the gravity and seriousness of a commitment. One can find examples throughout Scripture of oaths being made at strategic times to highlight the significance of a promise or task. In Genesis 24, Abraham placed his servant under oath to find a wife for his son Isaac, a weighty responsibility to entrust to another. Biblical authors refer to covenants God makes with his people as oaths. See Genesis 26.3, Deuteronomy 7.8, or Psalm 132.11. God instructs his people to take oaths seriously and not utter them rashly. See Leviticus 5.4 or Numbers 30, verse 2. Joshua places an oath in the form of a curse upon anyone who would rebuild Jericho. Severe consequences would afflict anyone disregarding this oath. Joshua 6.26. David spared Mephibosheth's life because of an oath he had sworn to his friend Jonathan in 2 Samuel 21.7. Ezra uses an oath to ensure the faithfulness of the priests who returned with him to Jerusalem in Ezra 10.5. In a tragic scene, Peter reinforces his denial of Jesus Christ with an oath, Matthew 26.72. Paul places the Thessalonians under oath to ensure their whole church hears his letter, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 27. The structure of these oaths. Like faithful men before him, Paul uses an oath formula in 1 Timothy 5.21, 6.13-14, and 2 Timothy 4.1-2 to heighten the gravity of his commands to Timothy. He employs terminology from a legal proceeding and the structure of an oath in these examples. He begins each of these oaths with solemn charge or command. 1 Timothy 5.21 and 2 Timothy 4.1 both begin with the Greek word diamartoreomai, which the ESV renders, I charge you. According to William Mounts, this word can have the meaning of testifying 
under oath. He employs the word paragalain in 1 Timothy 6.13, also rendered, I charge you, by the ESV. Paul uses this same term at the introduction of the letter, where he commands Timothy to, quote, charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 3. Both of these terms imply a strong and solemn command. Paul references two or three witnesses in these passages, as was common for oaths and vows. In 1 Timothy 5.21, he invokes the presence of God, Christ Jesus, and the elect angels. In 1 Timothy 6.13 and 2 Timothy 4.1, he references the presence of God and Christ Jesus. These divine and angelic witnesses add gravity to the commands which follow. After each of the charges in the presence of these witnesses, Paul issues specific instructions for Timothy to follow. Rebuke a sinning elder. Practicing church discipline is difficult. It would be particularly challenging to publicly rebuke an elder. Paul provides instructions for addressing elders who commit sin in 1 Timothy 5, 20-21. He uses an oath formula to highlight the importance of dealing with this difficult matter. Paul writes, quote, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. 1 Timothy 5.21. Keep conveys the idea of preserving a law from being broken. Prejudging is a legal term for making up one's mind before hearing the facts. Protect the commandment. As highlighted in my last blog post, a concern for defending and teaching sound doctrine permeates the pastoral epistles. Paul regularly points to the deposit of truth Timothy must protect from corruption. In 1 Timothy 6, 13-14, he underscores the importance of this responsibility by using an oath. He states, quote, I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. The commandment must be kept unstained. Peter uses this word to describe the purity of Christ's sacrifice in 1 Peter 1, 19. It's a lamb without blemish. We must also keep the teaching free from reproach, which appears as the first qualification for an overseer in 1 Timothy 3, 2. Preach the word. Paul places Timothy under oath one final time in 2 Timothy 4, 1. After explaining the inspiration and sufficiency of Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, he writes, quote, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. 2 Timothy 4.1. He follows this oath formula with a string of five imperative verbs. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 2 Timothy 4.2. References to Christ's judgment, appearing, and kingdom serve to intensify the solemn commands which follow. Martin Lloyd-Jones expresses this kind of urgency for preaching in the first chapter of his classic work, Preaching and Preachers. He writes, The work of preaching is the highest and greatest and most glorious calling to which anyone can ever be called. If you want something in addition to that, I would say without any hesitation that the most urgent need in the Christian church today is true preaching. 
pastors must remember the gravity Paul attaches to the command, preach the word, 2 Timothy 4.2. I believe this command is the crescendo of the letter and the climax of all Paul's commands in 2 Timothy. Maybe that argument will be another blog post. The solemn oath which precedes this command stresses the significance of preaching. How these oaths encourage perseverance. As pastors, we should own the instructions, exhortations, and commands found in 1 and 2 Timothy. We should apply them to ourselves and the churches we lead. These letters should help shape our philosophy and practice of ministry. Therefore, like Timothy, we are under oath with God, Jesus, and the elect angels as witnesses. We should not take being under oath lightly. This should fuel our desire and determination to continue in what we have learned and firmly believed, as Paul exhorts Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 14. Recognizing these oaths encourages us to deal with challenges like the discipline of an elder, the protection of the commandment, and preaching the word. Persevere. You're under oath before the holy judge.